Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks. They're the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just go to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. This episode of TWIP is made possible in part by our newest sponsor, Animoto. You can head over to animoto.com slash TWIP and use the offer code TWIP to get 15% off an Animoto Pro account. This week on TWIP, DJI announces the Phantom 3 with 4K video. Canon announces the XC10 camcorder for shooting 4K video and stills. Also, Apple releases photos and the iCloud photo library. And finally, LinkedIn buys lynda.com for $1.5 billion. It's Monday, April 13th, 2015. And this is Twip. And welcome back to another episode of Twip. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. We've got a big show this week to uh, to discuss all the things happening in the world of photography. And joining me to help me walk through this jungle of news are Mr. Joseph Lenaski, Thomas Hawk, and Evgeny Chabotarov. Guys, welcome to the show. We got a full house. What is going on? Let's, let's start with you, Evgeny. We haven't I haven't spoken to you in forever, man. What, what is going on? Where are you? Are you in Canada now? San Francisco? Uh, What's up? I am in Canada tonight. And I am in San Francisco by lunch tomorrow. Just the jet setter. Yeah. Jet setter. They love you in customs, don't they? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> I hope they will let me go. Just lie through. I'm giving we'll a lot of maple syrup. <laughs> there you go. The Canadian mascot. Well, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you back on. Uh, uh, Mr. Thomas Hawk, you haven't been on in forever either. Hey, hey, running, way too running long. the globe and all that. What's happening? Yeah, Frederick, doing doing well. Just you know, doing my usual thing, taking lots of pictures and uh, processing lots of pictures and uh, doing that. Just uh, a lot of this and a lot of that. I've been working on uh, Prime uh, with the guys that did a startup there. Yeah. It's a great new app uh, on the iPhone. Good to check out and uh, just doing a little bit of everything. Doing some printing. I got some new metallic paper and did nice. some prints last weekend and uh, a little bit of everything. Well, we, we, you, when we, when I first met you, many, what was it? It feels like it was like ten years ago or something. Probably. Uh, it was right. You, yeah. uh, I remember you were on that quest to get to a million shots. Was it a million or ten million? A million. I want a million. a million. Yeah, I want to publish a million photographs. Are you there? Uh, no, I wish. No, I'm. Uh, I'm going pretty slow actually. I'm at 104,000 photos that I published to Flickr. Uh, that's my main archive of my body of work, and I've got like another 40,000 that are ready to go that are done, but, um, you know, the way that I'm timing this thing, I'm about four years behind on my processing, so I'm doing a lot of the shooting right now, and then when I'm old and can't hop fences anymore, when I'm 90, then I'll uh, finish up all the processing and get the rest of them all up online. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you're you're building all the raw material so you can then sit on the front porch and whittle when you're right. old and gray. Right? Whittle, whittle with my iMac. <laughs> there you go. If it's called an iMac. Well, right. cool, man. Well, welcome. It's always good to chat with you. Welcome always to the show. Good to see you. 
All right, and Mr. Joseph Joseph Lenaski is on the show here, the photo apps expert here for some obvious reasons. That will become obvious in a couple <laughs> minutes here. Welcome, Ben. I mean, it's good to have you. I know I, I pinged you at the last minute to come swing into action on the show, and you always come on whenever I, I ring that break glass in case of emergency. Joseph always comes through. So welcome, man. It's good to have you back. Oh, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. Yeah. So yeah, we're not. I'm not going to go into too much depth uh, on where you are because it's it's uh it'll be interesting to reveal when we get to that yeah, point. Yeah, the big reveal can come later. This big gray room here. Yeah, like where where is Joseph? Are you like in the same house? <laughs> I know you. You and Tom, you and Thomas look like you're in different rooms. I think he's we, at the. We are NSA. actually in the same state though, which doesn't happen often. It looks like the NSA to me. Yeah, yeah, it could be very close, actually close. Let's see yeah. if I tilt it like this and have zero identifiable. Oh yeah, there we go. If we just put that ceiling up, that should be very NSA-ish. There we go. We'll just leave that. that yeah, there's the entire broadcast. <laughs> well, cool guys. All right, before we uh, before we dive into this episode, I want to thank our first sponsor for this episode of Twip, and that's our good friends over at FreshBooks. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or, you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash twip, enter the code this week in photo or twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of this week in photo. 
This week on the TWIP Network, the TWIP Facebook group is live. You can join it now over at thisweekinphoto.com slash Facebook. And on Street Focus, Valerie gets street legal with Jack Resnicki. Over on The Fix, Jan has a discussion with Ron Clifford about using Lightroom and Photoshop. And on Your Itinerary, Rob Knight sits down with William Innes. And finally, on TWIP Weddings, the guys walk you down the aisle of a typical wedding day. All that and more is happening this week on the TWIP Network. You can subscribe to any or all of our shows over at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. All right, lots of news to dive into. These first couple of stories, I, I feel like we're going to spend a little bit of time on them, but there's a couple of stories in here that are pretty gigantic. This first story is about DJI. So DJI has announced the latest update to their Phantom line. Uh, it looks like they're replacing the Phantom 3. So initially they're going to have two versions of this thing available, uh, a regular or a, an advanced edition and a professional edition. The differentiating factors between the two will be the, um, the basically the video resolution. The advanced w version will have a 1080p camera while the professional will have 4K video recording. Both cameras will be able to capture 12 megapixel stills in JPEG or DNG. Prices are $999 and $1259 respectively. And you know, if you looked at, go to the DJI website and kind of look at the video overviews of what this Phantom can do, they've basically, you know, I don't know if it's a revolutionary update, it's more of a, this thing is just better. I mean, it's like a Phantom 2, but it's better on all fronts. Like it's got stronger motors in there, better GPS uh, station keeping capability. It's got a lot of the, the, seems like it's got a lot of the brains of the, uh, you know, the, the monster there, Inspire, down into this, this more consumer model. So, Thomas, have you seen this? Have you seen the Phantom 3 and played with it at all? I haven't played with it at all, but I've seen it, yeah, and it's, it looks amazing. It, I yeah. mean, it just looks incredible. I mean, everything is so smooth, and the way it pans, and the quality. Uh, I mean, this is, seems like it's finally really here. I, I mean, I, I might even get my get one of these eventually. Oh, I'm getting one. I'm getting one. I when I saw the you know the latest one, you know that well, I can't remember the name of it. The one that's out now, the, the expensive DJI drone. Whatever that late, the one that they have out now, the 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 more expensive top of the line one that was released right before this one. Yeah, um, I know which I know which one you're talking. Inspire, right? It's Inspire. Yeah. So so that guy, when that one came out, I was like, oh, I gotta have it. And then I saw the price tag, and I I thought, oh, I don't gotta have it. <laughs> so this twelve fifty nine or even nine hundred ninety nine, still expensive for something that you're not gonna be you know, using all the time, but it seems much more approachable to me. So, yeah, I'm right with you. I think I'll order one of these and a little Pelican case for it and all that. I'll be a, I'll be a pilot. I'll call myself a pilot at that point. So, yeah. You wonder how many accidents they're going to have with these things, though. They're going to, you know, running into people and cars and yeah. trees and everything else, but... Uh... You know, I don't know. Humans. I mean, apparently there'll be humans operating these things, and humans typically do stuff like that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, you could say that about anything. So cars, motorcycles, everything. So interesting. But, you know, regardless, I, I think it's time to jump in. And, you know, I'll let a little bit of the cat out of the bag. We are working on a This Week in Photo drone show that we're adding to the network. Uh, and uh, I won't. I can't reveal yet who's hosting that show, but it's probably someone that a lot of people have heard about. 
but it's uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. Lots of crazy stuff going on here at Twip HQ. Evgeny, what about you, man? Have you have you jumped into the the drone? Because you're always like driving around and traveling and stuff, right? Yeah, have yeah, you yeah. have you been bitten by the drone bug? Uh, I did, and I got the Phantom Two Vision Plus, mm-hmm. and it broke after a first flight. <laughs> Wait a minute, it broke or you broke it? <laughs> Well, it's combined, right? So <laughs> both things happen simultaneously. So I don't know which one you're planning to get, but be prepared to spend a lot on the just the parts. I know. And you know the props break and the prop guards break, and prop guards are a little cheaper than props, so it's useful investment. Yeah. Um, the camera broke, and I replaced the camera and sold the broken cameras. There's a whole market of broken cameras on Vision t- on Vision Two on mm-hmm. eBay. Um, and you know, after spending like twelve hundred bucks on on repairs, um, it seems like it's uh, you know it's a really expensive toy. The price tag that you see on the website is just you know your first flight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's like a plane ticket to New yeah. York, right? <laughs> yeah, that's your test flight, and then and like obviously it got gotten better. You know, there's more safe controls. It will land automatically. Uh, it has the whole dedicated uh, landing button that mine doesn't have. So it's like, you know, there's little cool things that are getting there. Uh, I know that, that there's some more expensive ones that will have sonars, so it mm-hmm. will be aware of its surroundings and will be able to avoid stuff. So yeah. basically like the autopilot on Tesla. Um, so maybe in a year or two, you know, it's going to be everywhere and like anybody would be able to fly those because they're going to be super safe, will never hurt anyone. Um, but a friend of mine, he um, injured a woman by snapping half of her finger off. <laughs> oh, geez. Wow. Uh, and, and it's crazy. Like things like this happen and, you know, so it's just, it's just scary oh. sometimes. So maybe maybe it's time for for insurance companies to modify their riders so that you right. can, right. you know, yeah. you might need some, injuries some, from drones because you know whatever goes up will will eventually come down whether it's going to be uh, a safe landing or a crash landing. Mm, and I got and I captured a lot of those on the video as well. So. But did you get? I mean, aside from the current crashes and dismemberment and all that stuff, did you did you get any good photos with your drone when you were flying it? Um, the camera wasn't as good, so the newer one uh, from the people who touched it, they say it's the same as Inspire 1, so it's really good. It's way better than uh, the one that I had. Um, so that is really tempting. That is really tempting to get a third one. Um, but it's, it's just like, it's quite not there yet, you know? Like, you, you want something better. For video, it's perfect. For photos, you just want a better quality. You yeah. want to strap something more expensive to the drone. <laughs> Uh, which is even scarier. Yeah, but it's getting, like you said, it's getting, it's getting more and more consumery. Joseph, I don't, I don't, I haven't heard you speak about drones before. Are you, uh, have you been bitten by the drone bug yet, or are you on the sidelines? I think you're uh, muted, Joseph. Yeah. Can't hear you. There you are. Yeah, we can't hear you. Oh, maybe he's muted. You might be muted. We can't hear you. You're not muted. We heard you so, before. Whoever mentioned the NSA. Ah, that was <laughs> me. Joseph's being edited in the NSA. Look at that. All right. For those folks that are listening to this, Joseph is frantically trying to get his audio back on. But 
Joseph, we will move on from this, and you can give us your thoughts on the DJI uh, Phantom 3 when you get your audio going. But yeah, everything everything looked good on this side, Joseph. I don't know what's uh, what's up with your audio, but get that going. All right, guys, let's move on to this next story. Uh, actually, before we do that, I want to thank our the newest sponsor for the This Week in Photo Network, and that's our friends at Animoto.com. Welcome, Animoto. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by our newest sponsor, and that's our friends over at Animoto.com. In today's connected and visual world, video is really now a necessity. It's no longer an option. In fact, all of the social media platforms now allow video. People are using video as a powerful way to stand out from just static photos. Even Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg predicts that video will be the primary form of communication on Facebook within five years. And with video, you can better engage your customers and your friends. You can drive more traffic to your website. And you can boost your company or your personal image online by just using video. But learning how to use video and spending the money to create compelling videos is expensive. And it takes a long time to learn the tools necessary to create cool-looking videos. So that's where Animoto comes in. Animoto is a drag-and-drop video builder that gives you everything you need to produce professional videos in just minutes. You just need a logo and some photos or some video clips. You throw them in there, and boom, the thing crunches them and spits out an amazing-looking professional video. They've got 1,000 or over 1,000 commercially licensed songs for you to use, courtesy of Triple Scoop Music. Animoto has partnered with respected photographers, including Kelly Brown, Jerry Gihonis, Tamara Lackey, and more to provide you with exclusive professionally designed video styles. Plus, if you have your own logo, you can replace the Animoto branding with your own logo on there. Plus, you can create unlimited HD videos. You can share your videos on your website. You can throw them up on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, email. You can even download them and burn them to a DVD if you want to. Plus, they've got a cool Lightroom plugin, so you can you can shoot your images directly from Lightroom into Animoto and have it remix them just like that. No more exporting to a folder than uploading. You can just send them directly out to Animoto from your desktop. Animoto is really more than just a slideshow. They they tell they allow you to tell a story. You can choose the right music, set a cool mood, and really bring a series of images and video clips to life. And you can market your photography business with video with just a few clicks. You know more editing experience is needed. You can blend those video clips and photos seamlessly into one final piece, really without any extra work. And you can create your first video in about 10 minutes. You know, And this is about less than the time it takes for you to get your favorite caffeinated drink from your favorite barista. And Animoto has a special free trial. It's a no-risk free trial. You can try them for free and join the thousands of photographers who are already using Animoto to stand out from the crowd. Just head over to animoto.com slash twip and use the offer code TWIP, and they'll knock 15% off an Animoto Pro account. Once again, that's animoto.com slash twip, and use the offer code TWIP for 15% off. All right, story number two. Canon announced an XC10 camcorder that shoots 4K video and stills, and one of the features that they're touting of this thing that you can you can extract still frames or 8 megapixel photographs from 4K video, which we've heard, obviously, Panasonic has been touting that capability with their cameras, their, you know, the 4K and the video extraction technology out of there. 
So a little bit about this camera. It's been rumored for a while, but they're taking a Canon's taking a slightly different tack. It's a digital camcorder. It's not a it's not a a still camera. It's a camcorder that's also designed to take stills versus like say a GH4 that is a still camera that also does video very well. So you know, very, very interesting. So it's small. It measures less than five inches in each dimension. It weighs about 2.3 pounds when it's got a battery pack. It contain, you can put two memory cards in it, and it takes Canon lenses. Look at that. So it's going to be available in June of 2015 for $2,499 or $2,500. Thomas Hawk, I know you are a Canon shooter, if, yeah. if I recall correctly. Sure. I love did, Canon. Did, when you saw this, did was this was this on your radar of like, oh, okay, I got to give that. I'm getting rid of my, my well, regular I, I cameras. Have, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Um, I have not done much with video at all, just because you know I'm four years behind on my regular still processing, and and you could spend so much more time, and so I'm really focused more on the still stuff. So, and for that price, I don't know that I would want to buy a video camera that expensive to do video, mm-hmm. but but. Uh, for video shooters, I think this is great, uh, but what really interests me is the idea of pulling still photos out of video. Yeah, that's and, why I wanted to ask you this. Yeah, 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 and particularly with stuff like street photography. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, already you have some of these, uh, like these nature shooters, whatnot, that'll set these camera traps, you know, and they'll wait for the camera, the fox to get really close, and then it goes off in its face, and it gets this great photo. Uh, a wildlife without even having to be there. And it makes you wonder, like with street photography, you know, you look at some of the old uh, great photographs by Gary Winogrand, and yes, so much of that is composed in your head, mm-hmm. but what if you just had 24 hours worth of video to look at of people walking down the street and every character and every interesting person, and you could get that decisive moment, so to speak, after the fact? Yeah, yep, so I agree. For, yeah, for me, I think that's that's really interesting, and the more the idea of pulling still photos out of video and coming up with really compelling still imagery uh, really excites me about this camera. It still seems a little bit too much for me to want to spend to buy it. Uh, I'd rather, you know, I'm more interested in the 50 megapixels on the 5DS um, yeah. for still stuff, but from Canon. Um, but I think it's great, and uh, I would certainly use something like this and, and use it as a way to cherry pick still photos out of video. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I wrote a post on This Week in Photo a while back called The End of the Decisive Moment. You know, Cartier-Bresson kind of coined the phrase, right. um, capturing that peak action. And the, the gist of the post I wrote was, you know, with these cameras that you can now extract video from, you don't have to be the guy that knows when to clack, click the shutter. You just roll video and then harvest it later. And yeah. I've done that to great effect since then. You know, it, it works. You know, but yeah. again, you know, if you're a guy that like you that needs fifty megapixels, this is an eight megapixel extraction. So you're not gonna you're gonna get fifty megapixels from a frame of video, but you can do a lot with eight megapixels. You can. Out. You can do a heck of a lot. And eight megapixels for all intents and purposes, at least on the web, without making giant prints is just fine. Yeah. So I mean as far as Building a library, building a image imagery. I mean, I, I could think of so many creative ways that you could hide one of these things, even, and just you know, uh, get get video. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think it's great. I think it's terrific. And I I think it's going to be one of these things, though. Like already with the technology, people are doing new things, right? Like people are doing, uh, you know, they're taking uh, Google Street View and coming up with photography out of Google Street View and. But I think a lot of it's going to be sifting through the footage and the hours and hours and hours of trying to find that decisive moment of all that video. 
Yeah. And that may not be as easy as some people think it is, but you know, just like going through Google Street View isn't so easy to find the most compelling photographs out of that. Yeah, you're going to spend the time, whether it's at the beginning or or at the end. But someone like you, Tom, is that you're trying to get to a million shots, man. You could get that. You could get to that in a day. Just roll go a video, there. right? Yeah, go there next Tuesday and get it done. <laughs> exactly. Now, I think, and I think, I think people will resist against that as well, too, because. I think the idea is almost like like with these animal traps that people set up. It's almost like it's cheating and it's this and that. I don't I don't think it is. I mean I'm I'm a complete image whore. You know whatever you do to make the image is fine by me. I'm with uh, you, man. I'm a yeah, pixel punisher. I don't agree with the cheating thing. It's like saying, you know, it's cheating to to use a car to drive cross country. Lewis and Clark used donkeys. You know? Right. <laughs> right. But I think I it still opens up a huge debate whether you know this is the art. Or this is reduces the art to just kind of like documenting all the things. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be like another huge debate, film versus digital, and now like you know, uh, taking stills from the video or actually going out and trying to capture the moment as it happens. Yeah, yeah. Are you cheating? Yeah, I know. And you know, photographers always need something to to rail against, whether it's raw versus JPEG, film versus digital, or whatever, you know, micro four-thirds versus full-frame, Canon, Nikon, whatever. We always need something to fight against or we're not happy. Joseph, are you, uh, how's your audio? Are you back with us? Do you hear me? Yes, we are yeah. back. Okay, excellent. I have no idea. I just turned everything off and back on again and it started working. All right. Oh, well, I, well, I mm -hmm. want to get your, before we, I want, I want to get your thoughts on this camera, this XCT. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, but also, before we do that, you didn't get a chance to comment on that uh, that DJI drone. I was asking. Oh, you sure. You I, are... I didn't have a whole lot to say to it. No, I mean, I'm not. I haven't been playing with drones. Um, obviously, it's the images that we're getting out of them are fantastic. So there's certainly a place for them, and there's an opportunity to do video that's just way, way beyond what what mere mortals were able to do before. You used to have to rent a helicopter at a couple thousand dollars an hour and a special operator, and and if you wanted a helicopter with a camera that you could operate from within the helicopter, it was many thousands of dollars per hour. It's insane. Yeah. And now you can do this for, you know, a thousand bucks and, and a trained trained pilot. But that was the thing that I did want to comment on was the pilot part. You said you made a reference to I'll call myself a pilot. And this is certainly one of those things that this is why the FAA is getting involved and a lot of businesses that are just saying, oh, they're offering drone photography are technically breaking the law. I mean a lot of them are not doing this legally and many of them are not insured for it. So you know, the person who got their finger cut off, I'd love to know the, I guess that wasn't in the U.S. where it's, you know, litigious like crazy, but I'd be interested to know the legal ramifications of something like that. Because I know if I cut someone's finger off um, with the drone, I think my insurance policy, which is quite good and quite large, would probably look at me and say, you're not covered for that, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a that's a really good point. And we should reach out to the ASMP and see what they say about that, because that's a, they're, they're typically on top of dealing with forward-facing or... Um, Issues, yeah. yeah. That's a that's interesting. I never thought about it from the insurance standpoint, and I certainly never heard of someone getting their finger cut off. So that's a that's I think crazy. I put someone on the spot now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't name him. It's okay. Yeah. But was that was that like the blade that cut the finger? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So the blade actually swiped and then cut off the finger? Yeah. Well, just a little tip. But basically, wow. it's the drones. They fly away sometimes, right? Something goes yeah. wrong. Uh, something. You know, either radio intermission or something, and it just like starts flying in one direction, and that's it. And you never see it again. <laughs> and you have no idea what's happened to that, right? So, uh, and that that is kind of like a little scary. Why do you got to rain on my parade, Evgeny? I was all excited about getting my <laughs> Phantom Three, and now I don't want to get one. <laughs> yeah, get get the prop cards. That's it. Yeah. You have like four 
you know, prop guards. Yeah, yeah, I think I'll be. Yeah, uh, it yep. seems like that they should just come with. So, uh, so onto the the Canon camera. Um, yeah. On the one hand, yeah, you know, I'm I'm glad to see Canon doing something a little bit innovative um, for them. I'm glad to see that you know they're stepping out of their comfort zone a little bit. But frankly, looking at the hardware, I'm sorry, it's a bit of a yawner. I mean, you know, I'm a Lumix guy, right? So we're talking yeah. about a camera that costs twice as much as a GH4, weighs twice as much as a GH4, and it's still Capability is only 12 megapixel on the GH4 at 16, so uh, not sold, not convinced. Right. Not in the but it's got a Canon mount on there, so if you're if you're a Canon shooter that's looking to get into 4K, this might be the path of least resistance. If you don't want to go to the GH4, sure. right? Sure, path of least resistance. But you could also take that same, what was it two two twenty eight hundred or almost three thousand dollars or whatever it was for that Canon, and buy yourself a GH4 and a really nice lens or a couple of very good lenses. Yeah. So, and then but if have you already have if happen. you already have a lot of good Canon lenses like I do, sure, mm -hmm. sure. It's, isn't you know, the, I'm, isn't yeah. the lens fixed there? I think that's the whole uh, kind of like issue there that they have no, the on. lenses okay. there. Oh, is it fixed lens? And not changeable. Uh, let me double check that. I thought. Oh, you know what? I think you're right. Oh yeah, case. you are completely right. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a 10x optical zoom fixed lens. So, like, okay, you know what? In that case, and you know, all right. In that case, I'm comparing this. I'm not even going to compare this to the GH4. Now I'm comparing it to the FC1000, yeah. which is an all-in-one that goes 20, what is it, 24, 28 millimeter to 400 millimeter zoom in an all-in-one. Probably weighs about 20% of this thing, um, wow. and costs under a thousand bucks. So, yeah. Mm. No. Well, that changes it. Yeah. So now, yeah, I wouldn't even consider this. Yeah, that's interesting. Canon, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, okay, well, cool. So, so Joseph, what we what we had gone on to talk about was the whole idea of extracting stills right. from 4K. Have you played around with that at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I've done. I have samples on my site about it. The ability to pull out a 4K, uh, pull out an 8 megapixel still from the 4K video stream is great. And obviously, there's discussion about when and where it should be used. You know, you talked about the street photography, and certainly you can get some great pulls out of there that you might not otherwise get. Um, I did some race car shooting where, um, you know, I was able to pull just that one decisive moment frame out that maybe you wouldn't have got if you're shooting at 10 or 12 frames a second, whatever the camera's capable of. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, certainly, I mean, you're basically shooting at 30 frames per second, 8 megapixels. If you look at it that way, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, sports, you know, action photography. The, the key there that to, people need to think about, too, though, is that it, it's if you're shooting kind of in a video mode and you're shooting at a 60th of a second, then those are going to be blurry stills. Right, but if you switch it over to kind of more manual mode thinking you're going to shoot at two thousandths or four thousandths of a second, even though you're shooting it's 30 frames per second, so the video itself may have that kind of more jittery, stuttered look, but the extracted frames will be super sharp. Yeah, yeah, so it's almost a, you have to learn a new way of shooting when you start thinking in, in terms of video and, and motion blur and all those things that come into effect. Like, Joseph, when you're shooting 4K video specifically with the idea of extracting stills from it, mm -hmm. are you, or in other words, re, let me reframe the question. When you go out, is video foremost on your mind when you're shooting, or do you, do you just roll video as an after, afterthought you know, when you're shooting stills, or is it you're out there, I'm going to capture 4K video and extract from it? Yeah, I'm... I'm still, my mind still puts in two different categories, and I know a lot of photographers, you know, Julio, who of course you know as well, um, tends to always roll video. Mm -hmm. And when we were on the Lumix tour a few, whatever, it was a month and change ago, 
there was kind of the running joke was he was trying to convince me to push the red button. Record video, record video. Because I just, I'm a still photographer. That's what I think in. That's how I think. And video is kind of, oh, okay, right. I got to push the other button and record video. Um, so there certainly is a difference. And so for me personally, I do think of them as two separate things and I do separate them. If I'm shooting video for the purpose of extracting stills, then I'm going to be making sure that my shutter speed is a speed that I want it to be that's going to capture that still cleanly. Yeah. Um, if I'm shooting video for the sake of video, then I'll probably shoot at a slower shutter speed because I want that that smoother kind of motion blur that we come to expect out of video. Yeah. It just depends on what it's for. It's just another tool, right? It's another tool that we have in our toolboxes that we can play with. You don't necessarily have to use it, or you know, you may figure out a new way to make cool images with it. You know? Right, absolutely. But it's there. Don't be afraid of it, I think, is the, the takeaway. Yeah, right, one well, other thing uh, that when I was still messing around with my mic, you had mentioned about the Canon camera being de designed from the ground up for video compared mm -hmm. to the Lumix camera, the GH4. Yeah. Um, but the entire, it's something to, to remember about the entire Lumix line. I, I don't mean to be a total shell for it, but it's those cameras were all designed from the beginning to be both video and still. That was their, their entire purpose from inception was to do both. Yeah. yeah it to, wasn't, to do uh, both it wasn't an added on afterthought. But but can you do both? You know, I'm I shoot Lumix, so you know I'm a, I'm I'm kind of leading the witness here. But can you? Is it possible to do both of those things well? I.e., shoot still, be a still camera and be a capable video camera at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely. You've got the stabilization built in to give you that smoother video, even if you're shooting handheld. You got the microphone input. Slap a good mic on that thing, a Rode mic on it, and you know you're golden. And yeah, you absolutely can get the super high quality video right next to the stills, and in 4K no less. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good. All right, guys. Well, let's let's move on. And I know my uh, I think my Comcast is throttling my video upload speed, so it's downgraded my video to an icon. But we'll press on. Um, the uh, story, the next story that I want to talk about is about Apple releasing the Photos app and the Al the iCloud photo library service thing up there. So Joseph. Tell us what this is, and do I care about it? Because it's kind of, I mean, they just kind of quietly rolled this out. We all knew it was coming, but just one day it just kind of showed up, and then, you know, we got a little press release here and there, and articles started showing up, but it wasn't like, hey, all you photographers, it's here. It just kind of, under the radar, snuck in. Yeah, well, that's because it really isn't for all the photographers. And I think there wasn't a lot of fanfare because it was, the beta had been released, uh, what, month and a half or so before. So the big announcement was out. That's when the press all got crazy about it, and a bunch of media got advanced copies of it and played with it and did their videos on it. So when this was released, it was there really wasn't anything different than what was in the beta. So it was just out. Um, so as far as who's excited about it, certainly not Aperture users. That's, that is for sure. Um, but, you know, we knew that. We knew that coming into it. So it's taken a real shift for me. You know, obviously I used to run the site Aperture Expert, and now that's called PhotoApps.Expert because it's no longer just about Aperture. Um, but the mind shift for me has been to just accept that this is not a pro app, not by any stretch of the imagination. So if you forget that part of it and you look at it, it actually is pretty darn cool. Uh, the ability to have your entire photo library, and if you think of it like your family photos, this isn't your work stuff, this isn't what you're doing for clients, it's your family photos, the stuff you're taking on your iPhone, stuff with your point and shoot or your DSLR, and you're sticking them into this one little photos library that gets synced across all of your devices and has some you know, reasonably robust image adjustment tools, the kind of stuff that mom and dad and grandpa and grandma are going to want. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. It works very well. I've, I'm currently migrating about a terabyte of... Uh, of personal images over to it and pushing them up to the cloud just to see what happens. Wow. I expect that to be done in about six months. Um, 
but it's happening, and it's it's exciting to see. So it's for what it does, it works well. It certainly is missing some features. There's no question about that. It is absolutely not a pro product, but it's not meant to be. Um, and as long as you can accept that and take it for what it is, it's actually pretty cool. So it's not a it's not a replacement for Aperture or even iPhoto, right? So iPhoto is iPhoto going to remain or is it going to no, go? No, no. no, iPhoto and Aperture are both both canceled at the same time. This is okay. more a replacement for iPhoto. It has features that iPhoto didn't, but it's also missing some things that iPhoto had. Um, but you know, like the iWork transition and Final Cut transition, it's, it starts off a bit more basic, and more features will come. But um, but it is definitely an iPhoto replacement, not an Aperture replacement. Mm, okay, so it's a it's an add-on. And what are you doing for your pro level workflow right now, the Aperture Expert? Well, over on the site, we're exploring all the different options. Personally, at the moment, I'm using Lightroom, but Capture One is also very intriguing. So we've got a lot of writers, a lot of users who are writing articles on Capture One. Um, and they, you know, some people love it, and there's some features in there that it doesn't have that are make me think it may not work for me. But um, but it look it is pretty sweet, and it's for Aperture users. It's actually pretty interesting, as they have a very good migration tool that will actually try to mimic many of the adjustments that you've applied in Aperture in Capture One. So applying your crops and black and whites and curves and levels and saturation and everything else, and um, it's pretty good. So that's that part of it's really intriguing. So anyway, I'm, I'm using Lightroom right now, but um, pretty soon here I'm going to have to switch over start using Capture One and just spend a few months with it. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Thomas Hawk, you, you, you process images in volume all the yeah, time. Right. Uh, Aperture's demise versus the inception of Apple Photos. Where do you stand on all this? Oh, I hate this app. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I don't like it one bit. Uh, no, I mean it's it's not for for editing photos for pro editing photos. I mean I use I use Lightroom and Photoshop, um, and you know I like some of the Nick FX uh, stuff that's out there. But uh, no, I mean for me it's annoying. You know I put my card in my iMac and I want to import my files into Lightroom and instead I get this pop up from this new Photos thing that I don't want. You know I don't want to send my photos there. I don't want anything to do with it. I do definitely do not want the cloud, Apple's cloud. I do not. I do not want to pay any money for any of that stuff. Um, but, you know, I just find it's kind of an annoyance. Um, I don't want to take the time or even spend the time to play around with it. I mean, iPhoto to me before was buggy. It would freeze up with lar my large library of images. I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I, I was using Aperture years and years and years ago, and it goes back so far that... Uh, when I switched from Aperture to Lightroom, it was because Aperture couldn't do vignette back then. Yeah. Imagine that. I mean, it's very, very early. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and once you get on a path, like being on the Lightroom path, and, you know, learning that and evolving with that, it's, it's difficult to want to spend time. I mean, certainly I wouldn't spend time with this for the photo editing capabilities. I mean, they would, uh, uh, you know, uh, they just would not compare. I mean, so for me... You know, like Joseph said, I mean, this is not a professional editing software. It, there may be that this is perfect for somebody else, uh, but for me, I'd, you know, if I had a, a choice just to get rid of it and get it off the Mac system, maybe there is a way. I just haven't looked at it yet. I would. Actually, wow. no. <laughs> can't so I guess it's safe to say <laughs> you're not in the target market for this application. No. No, I hate it. <laughs> no, but Thomas, you know, when you if you're popping in your card and it's, um, it's popping up the, the Photos app, 
when it comes up, instead of just quitting it up in the top left of that, there's, it's going to show the name of your card, and there's going to be a little checkbox or icon or something that says, do not open photos for this again. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I, I, I'm too lazy. I mean, I'm sure there's a way. You're right. I mean, there's a way for all this <laughs> stuff. But it's just for me, I just, you know, it offers no value to my life. Uh, everything I need to do, I feel like it's not going to ever provide me anything I can't do in, in Lightroom. Well, that's uh, that's for sure. Now, are you... Are you, you said you're using iPhoto. You used to use it, or you still use it for some stuff? No, no. I mean, I'm uh, well. When this with this new upgrade, it got rid of iPhoto, so uh, we're using uh, photos now. But you know, I mean, part of my problem is I would play around with iPhoto with some some minor things, but I have a very very large library. I mean, I have 140,000 finished images. Mm-hmm. And Apple never really did large libraries well. I mean, I, I used to like to try to play around with it with my Apple TV so that I could use that as an image server sort of for the Apple TV. But it just it just choked on too many images and it never worked. And I'm just reluctant to play with it because it's, it's not designed for somebody like me. It's not designed for somebody who's doing professional editing. It's not designed right. for somebody who has 100,000 photos. It's not optimized for any of that. So, Well, I'll, I will say that – so I had both my personal and my client work in Aperture in one library, and it was – um, they were in one library, but I had two separate folders, two collections inside of that library. And so it was really easy to take all the personal work and just output it as a single separate library and then move that over to photos. And that was a, just over 100,000 images, 110,000 images, or 101,000, something like that. Um, and it migrated fine, and photos actually runs very well with it. Now, I haven't spent a whole lot of time in it, but scrolling around and searching for things, it seemed to be working quite nicely. So it does seem to be way faster and better than iPhoto was, uh, even for a library that size. And I'm not trying to convince you to give it a try. I'm just for listeners, if you've got a 100,000 image library, um, don't discard it. It actually, you know, or don't just disregard uh, a photos. It actually seems to be working quite well. Yeah. Evgeny, what about you, man? Have you, uh, have you played around with this, this new Photos app and you care about it? No, I guess I'm in the same bucket as Thomas. Uh, I knew it was out. I knew it would be in the show notes. And I upgraded my Mac, and I haven't opened it once. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's just not on my mind, and I never uh, really used iPhoto other than just like open it once to see what's all about and close it. Um, and that was it. Like you know, for me, that seems like a nice, decent product for you know for personal photos, obviously. Uh, but yeah, just everything is in the Lightroom and. Um, I, I used Aperture as well, uh, but I switched from really early on. As soon as I realized that the first Aperture was having one giant catalog of all the images that you cannot export, you know, one by one, but only could export as a huge giant uh, catalog, that was a huge disaster. Obviously, they fixed it many, many years ago and since abandoned Aperture, but I'm on Lightroom. Uh, all the way, basically. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, I wonder if we'll ever get any numbers about the adoption rate of photos because I looked at it and I've played around with it just in preparation for the show. But I'm kind of like you guys. I'm not, I'm not using it. You know, as a, I don't think I would use it as a replacement for Lightroom. And um, so I, I thought of it as okay. Well, maybe this was the perfect tool for my iPhone snaps that I take all the time, right. and I, you know, I'll let them sync up. You know, Joseph, I wanted to ask you, you I know you played around with Mylio, right? The, the Mylio service, which does that multiple computer synchronization thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this like the replacement for Mylio for Mac users? 
Well, it is. it offers some similar functionality there. Um, and unfortunately, I haven't had enough time in Mylio to really do a proper comparison. I, I did a, a small migration of a library to Mylio, and it didn't sync across all my devices, and I was troubleshooting it and never got to the bottom of it. Um, and on first glance, I really, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed with Mylio. I think that yeah. it could stand to be a very, very cool app. Um, it's... The problems that I was having as far as setting it up are part of why things like Photos are so intriguing because Photos just works as far as synchronizing across your devices. With Milo, you have a myriad of settings per device to decide this device gets this type of data and can sync this direction and can do this and do the other thing, and it's really obtuse. With with uh, the Photos app, you just basically turn it on, and inside your preferences, you choose to have your originals stored on this computer or to have your library automatically optimized which means that uh, photos will store the originals for your most recent photos and keep kind of middle resolution images I guess preview resolution images as it can but as you start to run low in space it'll just automatically pare it down to thumbnails to keep your entire library on pretty much any size drive and I'm sure there's going to be limits at some point but um, even you know on a, on an iPhone, you can keep a massive library on there because it'll just store the thumbnails, and it's completely really, automated. You don't like, have to think about in, it. In daily use, do you really need that? I mean, do you really need to have access to the photo of your kid that you took, you know? It's not about six months the, ago. It, it's if you think of it from the perspective of a, a multi-computer system. If you've got a desktop and a laptop, right, and your laptop's on the road, and you're obviously not going to carry a hundred thousand images around on your laptop, but oh, you know what? Now I have access to all of those. I mean, I, I don't think there's anybody that would that would say, no, that's just totally unnecessary. The ability to access any photo from any time that you shot certainly has appeal to it. Well, um, but if you put them, put them all, like, on Flickr, they give you a terabyte for free, and you just... I mean, I don't know. That's kind of what I do. Sure, but then it's just a separate management, and then you it's a whole other thing. You have to... If you edit some photos, you got to upload them there. If you organize them here, then you got to re-upload them to there. The idea is you just you edit them, and you manage them, in one place and it propagates everywhere. And you yeah, but Apple, Apple's not going to give you a terabyte of storage for free. Well, no, it's not. But, but you're saying, you know, Thomas, you, you miss out on the... If you use Flickr, you have a terabyte. And Joseph, you're saying if you use Flickr, you have a terabyte, yes, but you don't have the synchronization. Right, you so don't have the, the sync. You have to manually upload. You have to manually manage. It's a, it's a totally different experience. Yeah. And I've, well, you know, there well, are people boxing. It's, it's the right tool for the right job. I mean, for, for all of us or most of us, except for you, Joseph, because you are in it. And you have to train people on this stuff. I think, you know, we well, are I'm, not in the target market for photos. Is that fair? Well, I, I, I am in the sense that I'm separating my client work, my professional work, from my personal work. And I don't mean personal high-end work. I mean pictures of the kids, my family yep. photos. Right, that stuff, that's the kind of thing that I don't want to have to think much about. I'm not going to do a lot of editing, too. Uh, these are just family snaps that I want to be able to access anywhere easily and just have them there and know where they are and not have to worry about it, not have to think about it. Uh, and that's basically what that gives you. It's the simplicity. And, yeah, you don't have the tools that you have in Lightroom, but it's not designed to do that. Um, I think you just have to look at it for what it's designed for and not try to think of it as an aperture or Lightroom replacement. And in that case, it's a, it seems quite good. Uh, you know, it's not perfect, but it seems quite good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would, I would suggest that folks play with it, right? It's, it's out, and it's free, right? It doesn't cost anything to, to well, use it. And if you're a Mac user, you're going to, the next time you update your operating system or your, your iPhone or iPad, it's going to pull it down, and you'll have it automatically, right? Right, right. Yeah, it'll be there. Well, the cloud service isn't free. You know, if you want to upload them to, to iPhoto cloud storage, but that's not free. But um, 
of the software is, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, I want to move on to this next story. We're almost at the top of the hour again, and my video still hasn't returned, but it's okay. Um, the next story is LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, that many of us use, is uh, purchasing or has said that they're going to purchase lynda.com, and that's where Joseph is hanging out right now, right? Joseph working... The big reveal. The big reveal. The big reveal. The big reveal. He's not at the NSA. He's right. at lynda.com. man. They're coming after you. They're going to be confiscating all your computers, Frederick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Joseph, you're not at lynda.com. You're at the educational branch of LinkedIn, right? <laughs> Still lynda.com. <laughs> Still lynda.com. Look at that. But the Linda is probably on her uh, – the Fijian island that she just bought hanging out. <laughs> Actually, she's probably here right now because uh, everybody's been in meetings all day. So. Oh, really? So tell us – I mean, so the story is, you know, it's it's – not a huge story, right? It's LinkedIn was LinkedIn said, "Hey, we want we want Lynda.com. We want to buy it." And Linda said, "Yes, you can buy us." And boom, now LinkedIn owns Lynda.com, which is good. Joseph, you're there, right? So you and you're a Lynda.com author, so you can't really right. speak, you know, about insider stuff. But overall, right. is this a good move? I mean, do you feel as an author for Lynda.com, do you feel like this is a good move for them or is Lynda.com going to kind of get swallowed up? into the monster that is LinkedIn, and we'll never see him again. No, I, I'm really excited about this. Um, so when I first heard about it, I, I was at a loss. I just said, what? I, how does that make any sense at all? And then uh, then I read the post that was on lynda.com and on on uh, LinkedIn as well. It was written by Linda, the founder, uh, as to why, and then watched a video that was from uh, from LinkedIn about it. And it really starts to make a lot of sense. So the whole thing with LinkedIn is they're a company that's all about trying to help people get jobs move jobs, get different jobs, better jobs, and so on, or find talent, find people who are looking for jobs. And the whole point of Linda is to train people with skills that they don't have, to give them better skills, improve the skills they have, or, or learn new ones. Sure. And when you put those two things together, one goes with the other. right? If you learn new skills, you can get a different job. If you want a better job, you need to learn new skills. And so it really, really makes sense. And so you know, I have no idea how this is going to be handled, but in my mind, I can imagine looking at a LinkedIn profile. You've got your LinkedIn profile, and you write on there, you know, I'm skilled in Photoshop, and it comes back automatically and says, oh, well, have you, are you, you know, how skilled are you? Do you want to take these advanced Photoshop courses? Or you're an expert in Photoshop. Why don't you learn yeah, Lightroom as well right. um, and just offer these different ideas? And, of course, as an author, that's just exposure to my content, and I get paid more when people watch my content more. So it's, in that regard, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I love to see these these consolidations happen. I get. I got to be honest. That one came out of the blue. I did not see right. that one coming. I had <laughs> I did no not idea. See that one coming. Yeah. I would have. I would have guessed. Uh, I'm placing bets on Adobe getting acquired by somebody. That's my little secret <laughs> bet. That, oh, you think who's gonna buy them? I'm thinking Microsoft. I think Microsoft really? is gonna snatch up Adobe. I have no insider information, people. So don't go buy an oh, Adobe God. stock on my word. But I feel like. It's a tasty morsel right now, and Microsoft needs a nice playing card to get back into the game in terms of, you know, professional image editing and and multimedia creation. And why not buy Adobe and do that? What do you, what do you think about that, Thomas? Do you think that's valid? Could uh, does that hold water? Sure. I mean, why not? Huh? I mean, I, right. who knows? I mean, it's anybody's guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, Adobe. Boy, they've done very well as a company, and they've yeah. this whole cloud thing. I mean, is from a business perspective, that's been very profitable for them. 
you know, pushing everybody to the uh, subscription model. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it uh, something like that would make sense. I mean, who knows if it ever happens. I mean, they'd have to pay a lot of money for Adobe. Adobe's pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, Microsoft has some deep pockets, right? You know, so who knows? Yeah, they do, you know. Bill Gates could probably throw a couple nickels their way, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Sell a home or two and buy Adobe, right? You're yeah, done. why not? Look at that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. It's it's interesting. I love watching this stuff. Being in the Silicon Valley, it's always exciting because this stuff just keeps happening, and it, you can see patterns in the chaos repeating itself. So. All right, guys, uh, let's dive into Evgeny. I wanna I wanna have you help us answer this this listener question. Um, let me read it. It it says uh, this is from listener Dave King. Dave King says, I currently have a Sony NEX six which I enjoy, but it lacks some features I really want available to me. I want to use a camera for both photography and video. The additional features I want are, one, an articulating LCD display so that I can see what I'm shooting, photo or video, from a selfie perspective. Two, microphone you got a target market here. I know. Microphone input so that I can plug in an external mic for improved audio. I know what Joseph's thinking right now. <laughs> Instead of using the built-in mic, and naturally I want excellent image quality. He says he believes the Panasonic GH4, which he knows I'm fond of, that's my camera, would, shoot, would suit my needs, but I wonder if there are other options available that I'm not aware of. If the GH4 is my best bet, what's the single lens you would recommend for it to be used as an all-around lens? Evgeny, what do you think? You well, know, I do have an X6, and I do know that you know attaching all the accessories is a little bit painful, so... Uh, definitely not good for getting external mic. Apparently, like you need either some proprietary mics or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, GH4 I haven't played with. I'm sure you can plug uh, an external mic to that. Yeah. Is, is that oh, correct? Yeah. yeah, that's correct. Then it's perfect. You know, all all you need is some nice wide angle 35 mil bright lens, and you can get yourself you know selfies with one hand. Um, and the perfect, you know, street camera slash, you know, sort of landscape, sort of indoor camera with yeah. a bright lens, or uh, something uh, even wider, like 24 mil, for example, something that just, you know, gets you, gets you right in a scene. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and Joseph, I want to have you piggyback on that as well. One of the main reasons why I like the GH4 is because I shoot lots of multimedia stuff, you know, whether it be me on camera with the camera on a tripod um, with the LCD face forward so I can see that the thing is still recording after 30 minutes into an interview or, you know, whatever. It just makes sense to have that. Plus, it's got that built-in audio jack on there and the touchscreen, etc. Jo Joseph, what about what about you? He's got a Sony NEX6. He's looking for something different or better. Would you recommend the GH4 or something else? Well, I mean, GH4 obviously is going to be great for that. Um, but I was just looking up the price of the NEX to see price comparison. So if that's his price range, uh, he might want to consider the FC1000 because that's mm. that all-in-one that we were talking about earlier. It's a slightly smaller sensor. It's a one-inch sensor, but it's an all-in-one camera that has a 25 to 400 millimeter zoom. It's physically quite a bit larger than the NEX, but it's very, very lightweight. It's a surprisingly comfortable camera to use and to hold all day long and it has the microphone input so that may have all the things that he wants and it has the articulating LCDs he can do that um, so that may have all the features that he wants but by going to the GH4 you get a little bit bigger sensor you get a touchscreen LCD which the FC1000 for some reason doesn't have um, 
And one of the biggies, one of the big differences is the GH4, you have a headphone jack. So he didn't mention that to some people that's really important to be able to monitor audio through right. headphones. Yeah. And for some, it's irrelevant. Um, the FC1000 does not have that. So that's something else to but consider. But the, with the FC1000... You know, the professional camera. The FC1000, the lens is not interchangeable, right? It's not, but it's a 25 to 400 millimeter with a built-in image stabilization that'll knock your socks off. At 400 mil, you can hand hold it. It's ridiculous. Jeez. Well, let, let me throw a Nikon uh, alternative: the sure. D750, full frame, built around video, so all the video controls and everything, and uh, obviously you can change lenses. Pricier, but you know it's a full frame, 24 megapixels. So it's gonna last for for a bunch of years. Really good, solid camera for people who, uh, who like if if you are in that budget range. Sure, yeah. I'm looking. That's about 2,000 for the body. Possibly, yeah, yeah. 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 And what's does that does that camera shoot 4K, Yevgeny? No, it does not. Really few cameras shoot 4K. And you know there is different 4Ks. There is GoPro 4K. There is uh, uh, like my camera shoots 1080p, but it's kind of like not the best 10 to 1080p. So there is always uh, weird comparisons, and like you know, you're just gonna uh, if you're shooting video, don't get a DSLR. Get a proper video camera. Yeah, yeah. Right. If you are got flexibility, then you just like compromise and get something that shoots. Uh, 4K or 1080p, and you can shoot photos with that. Yeah, but Joseph, does the FZ1000 FZ1000 shoots 4K, right? Have you shot yeah. 4K with it? Does it does it do a good yeah. job? It does excellent. Yeah, it's a surprisingly capable camera. So when I I had one for well, I've got one now, but I had one for a while to do some testing with. Actually, let me grab mine right here. Um, just as a luminary, I needed to to have one to play with for a while, and I went out and I shot a a race, a, a multi-leg race. It was uh, uh, bicycling and running and uh, kayaking and stuff like that and mountain biking and so I shot this whole race all day with this camera and when I first got it my first response was eh, I don't want this like this is weird all-in-one kind of plasticky body you know I don't want to use this thing but honestly at the end of a day of shooting um, I was very glad to be working with this really small lightweight camera so anybody who's watching I'm now holding up the camera and it the lens barrel is quite a bit bigger than kind of a small lens that you might put on a regular DSLR or a regular mirrorless camera. The body is about the size of the GH4, um, but it's very lightweight. And so if you're going to be out shooting all day long, it's quite a cool camera to have. And the zoom, when you go zoom it all the way out, it's kind of obscene. It just <laughs> <laughs> That's making me a little uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> Um, but it's, it's uh, a big it's antic, like, isn't it? Wow. You're really happy to be on this show, aren't you, Joseph? I'm very happy to be on the show. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a very capable camera, and I really enjoyed working with it. And yes, the image quality is great. It also does uh, does slow motion to I think 120 frame per second slow motion. Wow. I wow. think is what it is. It at HD, not at 4K. That's now, Thomas, what she said. Thomas, when you when you look at these cameras, right? Yeah. You're you're a, you're a diehard full frame guy, and you yeah, yeah. You, you poo poo these smaller sensors, right? What no, do they're, I mean, they're whatever people want to shoot with, man. I think you know, like they always say, the best camera is the one that you've got with you. So you know, if you're not going to carry your big one around, your big gun around, and you're going to put a small one in your pocket, 
then yeah, I mean, why not? For me, I carry the big one everywhere I go. So, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, I, I would rather shoot with, um, you know, my Canon 5D Mark III or a 5DS or something that's going to be able to produce, uh, you know, images, I believe, with the lenses, the prime lenses that I have that are going to be better than what you can get out of that. But I'm not everybody, and there are a lot of people that don't want to carry a big camera and, you know, eight lenses in a bag with them everywhere they go. Yeah, 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 that's true. And and, so, and as people move more and more into video, then then the mindset shifts, right? Because it's like, okay, I... I want to shoot more video and I need 4K, what are my options to shoot 4K? Or like, you know, our listener, Dave King, I want to shoot video and I need an audio input on there. What cameras have video and audio and can shoot 4K? So your your choices are an inverted pyramid at that point. You know, you get lower, lower, lower until, and then when you layer in price on top of that and what your budget is, the choice becomes clear, uh, you know, after a certain point, so... Interesting. Evgeny, what about you, man? I mean, you, you, I know you're a full-frame shooter as well. Do you ever consider shooting with smaller cameras, or is it you need the pixels? I'm actually considering a medium format digital uh, <laughs> camera. He's going the other direction. You're going in the opposite direction. I love it. What are you looking at? Uh, Fentex 645Z, the new one. Uh, if you get one, I'd love to hear what you think of it. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm just, like, saving up for that. Wow. What, what do those run, man? Uh, nine grand for buddy, and then you know something else for the lenses. I haven't even looked at the lenses because it's just like it's gonna be really pricey. Well, that, that's the thing about the Pentax. That that much, it's not that much more than a full frame DSLR, you know, a top end Canon or Nikon. Yeah, yeah. It's not that much more. It's nothing. It's a way cheaper than looking at something like a Phase One or Hasselblad, yeah. where you're looking at forty or fifty thousand dollars store entry price. But you're talking body only, right, Evgeny? I mean, body only, like... so it's nine grand, but it gets you, you know, it, it's the most of it's the most affordable new medium format uh, digital camera. So obviously, and why why do you need all that? I mean, what, what's the purpose? I like shooting landscapes, and I feel like you know when you're running around with uh, DSLR, you're shooting just like way too much stuff. And like uh, you know, I'm not Thomas, so I I want to shoot less. <laughs> I want to be, uh, I want to you know stand there and just enjoy the scenery. And that's why I started shooting uh, things like time lapses a little bit because you just stand there for 20 minutes just waiting, you know, or like 30 minutes, and you just you just enjoy the process. You're actually uh, shooting less and uh, getting more enjoyment of being there on the spot. Uh, and I think the medium format, uh, I was traveling with a uh, guy who was shooting large format, and like while you're running around shooting hundreds of shots, he's shooting like three or four. Mm. It takes a while to set it up, it takes a while to uh, prep everything, and in the end, like his photos look fantastic, and my photos are just like 300 photos to choose from, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it makes the culling process simpler, and you you're treating each shot as like a precious jewel, right? Like, okay, I have this shot now. Yeah. I need to yeah. post process it. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Very cool. Very yeah, interesting. A lot of I'd be interested to see what you think too after you get it. Yeah. Thomas, might, would you would you ever consider going medium here. format, Mr. Thomas Hawk? Uh, uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like a lot of those cameras. They're a little pricey for me, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, uh, you know, DSLRs work work well because they're cheaper and uh, but yeah you know someday you know when I grow up I want to be a Hasselblad <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I used to shoot I mean the, the largest format I've ever shot was 4 by 5 which was you know 4 by 5 sheet film remember those days and that was yeah. uh, 
That was a process. And literally, we had to shoot. Uh, this is when I was in the military. We had to shoot and process our own film, which was uh, was it was an interesting learning experience. Let's just say that. All right, guys. Well, let's let's move on to this. Hopefully, Dave King, that answered your question. Um, folks, if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, just visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com and click on that submit a question link. You can send us a voice or text um, message, and we'll uh, we'll respond to that accordingly. All right, guys, before we end the show, I want to get into our picks of the week. Remember, you guys can recommend anything to the TWIP Army as long as it is somehow related to photography. Joseph Linaski, I'm going to let you go first. What's your pick of the week? Am I allowed to choose Linda even though it's a storyline and probably a sponsor as well? You can, but I will call you a walking commercial, but go ahead. Yeah, All right. the second one was the same line. I know. If, wait, how about this? Joseph, if you choose Linda, Yevgeny cannot choose anything 500px related. <laughs> <laughs> no, go for it, Joseph. Linda's totally fine. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I mean, since I'm here this week recording a new training series, um, you know, definitely shout out to Linda.com. And specifically, I'm going to call out my own training courses that are on here. I've got a you know, Photo 101. Uh, intro to photography course, but then I also have the Photo 101 Low Light and Photo 101 Macro, and those are two newer courses. These are live action courses that are on there that are very popular. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, and those those have been great. And I'm, I'm I don't think I'm supposed to tell you what I'm down here recording right now, but I can guarantee you it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a cool new course, and it's another uh, live action photography related course. And I'm, I'll be recording here all week. I have so, an yeah. idea what that course is going to be about. I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for any listeners that want a, uh, uh, well, I think you get you got a ten day free trial through the through the sponsorship, right? Uh, yeah, but you can give them you can give them yours. Go for it. Okay. Well, if you go to so my photography website, of course, is photojoseph.com. If you go to photojoseph.com/linda, that will take you to my ten day trial page. So photojoseph.com/linda will get you there. That's perfect, because Linda is not sponsoring this episode of This Week in Photo, so... Oh, there we go. I'm good. He's slotted. She, so she got in this episode anyway. Look at that. <laughs> She's You're a mole. That's good. <laughs> All right, well, cool. Perfect tip. Uh, so, Joseph, if people want to see... Do you have a listing on, on your website of, like, all your lynda.com courses, if they just want to see everything that you've done? Um, well, if you go to lynda.com and you look me up as an author, you'll see everything there. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's the easiest way to do it. Very cool. All right. All right. Next up, Mr. Thomas Hawk, what is your pick of the week? Hey, hey. Okay. I'm going to share something that I'm kind of involved with. So this is, uh, I just shared my screen. This is Prime. And this is a new, a powerful new photo editor for the iPhone. And uh, one of my buddies, Art Chang, started this company. There's like four guys to start up. And they approached uh, me and a number of other photographers about building filters. And we made basically styles with Lightroom on what we're doing with our own photography. And these are all the different photographers that are involved. Uh, and uh, you can basically buy these styles and add them to your photos uh, on your iPhone, so for mobile photography. And I've been really impressed with the quality of the styles. Uh, it also has a powerful editor. It's uh, one of the best editors out there. So. It's a free app. Uh, the styles cost uh, 99 cents each, or you can buy. I think there you can get all of them for 10 bucks. And um, uh, I've really been enjoying this. It's how I've been editing all my mobile photos lately and putting them up uh, 
uh, for Instagram or stuff like that uh, on the iPhone, it's a, it's a great app. So I'm a big fan of it, and I'm also one of the featured style authors, and uh, it's, a, it's a cool tool. Yeah, I like this, and we we talked about this in a previous on a previous episode of of this week in photo. I wanted to ask you so two questions about Prime. So, and for the folks that want to check it out, it's Prime with two eyes, P R I I M E, right? Um, but if you are you is Prime a just an app or is it an app and a social network a la Instagram? Yeah, that's a good question. So so it is an app right now. It's a photo editing app, and it's got styles, you know, uh, whatnot. But they do plan on developing out more of a social network like Instagram. Uh, for starters, though, it's just a way um, to add cool effects onto your photos. Um, I, I do like that they do revenue sharing with all of the photographers that, they're, that are involved. Mm -hmm. So the photographers get 50% of all the proceeds from the styles that people buy. So that that's, I think, very cool. It's a way that the photographers are benefiting from this beyond just you know some company. Um, I know that they do have plans for a social network down the line and want to do more with that. Right now, though, it's more of an editing tool, and you know you can send it straight to Instagram or wherever you want, really, Facebook or Flickr. Or, um, but eventually, they do want to do more and have more of a social network there on Prime. But they are a startup. It's just four guys. Um, they're doing really well, and 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 I I think it's a great product for what they've got, and uh, I'm looking forward to what they continue to push out on the social network side. So with those with those styles, I'm assuming it comes with a number of built-in styles. Like I could apply, you know, a Thomas Hawk style to my images. Do I have to purchase that style, or or do yeah, they come so, preloaded? Yeah. So so how it works? The app is free, and the app has a, a bunch of editing tools that you can use. Um, and then um, they, it comes with some free styles. So there's a handful of styles that you can use for free without spending any money, and you can try out basically all the styles. And then if you see something you like, you can buy it. So it's um, it has some free styles. It's got a great editor. Um, you know, if you if there's something that's not free and you want to buy it, it's 99 cents. Cool. Awesome. All right. We'll definitely have to check that out. There's so many photo apps out there. I'm like, I, I have a folder full of if photo apps. If only there was a website where you could learn all about these. I, if only, <laughs> Joseph, if only there was a website where you could learn about <laughs> photo apps. Maybe I'll register <laughs> photo apps. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to do a write-up on this on photoapps.expert. This is awesome. Awesome. Thanks. Very sure. cool. All right, Evgeny, last but not least, what is your pick of the week? Oh, uh, you know, I wanted to go with Prime with two eyes as well, uh, but it's <laughs> covered already, and, uh, you know, I know Art. He's a great guy, so uh, it was cool to see his, uh, his app featured. So... I'll go with the simple traditional choice. So uh, we at RNPX have been working for the last two or three months rebuilding the whole photo manager and the uploader from scratch. And they are now live. So there's like completely new reorganized photo manager that allows you uh, to take it to the next level. So it features, you know, um, you can drag and drop, you can multiple select, you can edit multiple photos. So it's similar to something uh, what you would do in the Lightroom. You know, select a bunch of photos, uh, add tags, remove tags, uh, and do a bunch of things. So this is now possible. And the new uploader that is similar to what you expect from Lightroom as well. Just like you can keep on doing your things, 
uh, adding tags and adding all the uh, metadata as uh, as the uploader actually uploads your photos. Um, and it's all on the web, so it's live right now. Uh, to make it more interesting, there's going to be a special promotion uh, kick, uh, kicking in tonight at midnight. So uh, I don't know if this show is going to be live then or not, but oh, yeah, well, it's live now. Whoever's it's looking, live. it's not live yet, but it's going to be live in just a couple of hours. Cool. Okay, so by the time the this feed goes live, which will be on the Friday, we're we're Monday the thirteenth right now, so the show will go live Friday. So this will this will be live yeah. by then. Right? Yeah. So okay. everybody will be able to save a little uh, if they decide to upgrade to Plus or Awesome. Okay. Cool. And what was how do they get the how do they get the discount again? Uh, just go to fairandfex.com. There's going to be a banner on the top, uh, and it will get you there. Excellent. Very cool. Awesome. Good. Well, I'm going to skip my pick of the week because we're running low on time. I have to save that till next week, folks. But before we sign off, uh, Joseph Lenaski, I'm let you go first. Where, where, what do you got coming up in the next month, week, years for uh, for your photography career? Well, of course, I'm here at Linda recording this new course, and uh, I'm going to get back next week and keep on working on the PhotoApps.expert. There's a lot happening there, and uh, still working on that Beauty After Breast Cancer book. That is, we're shooting through June and July. Uh, we got a lot of shoots coming up and have been doing a lot more since we last talked about it. So still trying to get that book out by October. So that's a, that's a big deal there. Very cool. All right. Well, good. Well, good. Always good to see you and good luck on your, whatever you're recording down at Linda right now. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right. Mr. Thomas Hawk, what about you? What's, yes, sir. Uh, what's going on in your uh, world I'm coming just up doing, next? I'm just doing the same thing I always do. I'm running around. I might go to Wyoming. I might go to New York. I'm definitely going to Idaho. Uh, I might go to Alabama or Philadelphia or somewhere else, somewhere in America, take a bunch of pictures. I want to be you, man. I just want to be you, just like for like a week. <laughs> Run around and be Thomas Hawk. Cool, man. Well, thanks, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah, always a pleasure. And uh, Mr. Yevgeny Chabotarov, what's coming up for you next? Uh, for me personally, I'm going to Iceland with one uh, end of April with one of the best landscape photographers that I've ever seen. Uh, Yuri Bilagushi. So if you see his photos on the top of the popular, or like if you see Iceland photos uh, on the top of foreign text, it's usually his. It's phenomenal stuff, and like I cannot wait to learn from him. Excellent. Cool. Well, again, always a pleasure having you on as well. Um, and continued success with 500px. You guys are, are you continue to rock it and innovate. So good going. Thank you for doing that. I love the big picture on 500px. Yeah, the big, yeah. you know, where your profile is, that giant thing. Yeah, that's weight is gonna get even better. <laughs> Good. Hey guys, before we sign off, I'm looking in the in the chat over on YouTube. Andy Diaz is asking a question. Um, he says, "Have we heard?" He said, "Snapseed released a major update, um, their first update in some time. Do we have any thoughts on that?" I played with the Snapseed app. And I got to say, I mean, I've been using Snapseed for a long time as kind of one of my go-to apps in my photos folder on my phone. And when I played, when I saw the update, I'm like, okay, let me launch it. You know, usually you see a few little changes here and there. They just redid the whole thing, and it's awesome. <laughs> so it is an awesome app now, Snapseed. Have, you, have either of you guys played with it at all? I love it. I think it's great. Right? It's oh, yeah, clean. It's fast. It layers you have layers in on your phone, or at least you know they're more akin to adjustment layers. But you have, you know, that level of control as well as localized edits directly, you know, right on the phone. It's ridiculous. 
Yevgeny, have you played with it? I did, and it's uh, I think it's beautiful. You know, it's uh, I actually been editing a few photos with it uh, lately, and it's cool. You know, I have I stopped using that before because on iPhone it's kind of like it didn't feel right. Um, now it feels really great, but again, there's a lot of apps, so I I I, I kind of have to use all of them. Uh, I like the new apps. If I can pick one more. I would, there's a black app for black and white photography, really cool. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, uh, Snapseed is great. Uh, just like a bunch of cool apps out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, so definitely check out Snapseed. Check out Prime with two eyes and, uh, you know, play around with it. Apply some of the Thomas Hawk styles to your work. And see, there we go. I see like if you can't make your work look like Thomas Hawk. <laughs> Cool, man. All right, guys. Well, thank you. Thank all you you guys for coming on. It's been a great show, even though my video, for some reason, Google decided to edit me and not let me show up in my own show. That's okay, because it's audio. <laughs> you still um, look good. You still look good. <laughs> I look good. My icon looks good in yeah. gloss. You never look better, Frederick. I know. I, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> first of all, I want to thank our sponsors for their support of this show, and that's our good friends over at FreshBooks and our new sponsor, Animoto.com, for their support of the TWIP network. And, uh, you know, I think that's it. With that, I think it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.